Welcome everyone to episode number 25 of Talk About It. That is such a wonderful thing to say. <laughs> 25. My goodness, it has been a journey. Um, I'm very, very excited about this episode and I'll tell you why. Because this week across Ireland was Stand Up Week. So for those who listen to me in the US and Canada and various other countries, let me go into a little bit of explanation. Uh, we have a organisation here in Ireland called Belong To. And Belong To is an LGBTQ plus community service where uh, people work to really promote what the LGBTQ plus community is and I suppose just to help people um, feel more accepted in the community and to normalise being lesbian and gay and transgender and all the other letters in the community simply because there there still isn't enough enough acceptance within the community today. So this week across schools in Ireland um, across schools in Ireland, there is a huge stand-up week to promote the LGBTQ plus community and stand up against homophobic bullying. So it was a huge week across across schools in Ireland and my school took part and I think they did a, did a really good job. And I've talked to a few friends, my other schools across the country, and it sounds like the schools really stepped up and I'm delighted to hear that. Um, so yes, hopefully this is the first of many stand-up weeks across the country because, um, yeah, the statistics are really shocking. Belong To Services, um, they're at Belong To on Instagram. If you want to go give them a follow, I'm going to tag them in my post for this episode um, so you can go check them out. But they've released some statistics this week that are particularly shocking. I'm going to read a few out to you. So according to their statistics, and you can see more statistics like this on their Instagram page at Belong to Youth Services, they say that 86%, I'm just shocked by the figures, that's why I'm stumbling on my words here, 86% of the LGBTI plus students felt deliberately excluded or left out by other students. 86%. That is insane. Like that number should be so much lower. Also, 68% of LGBTI plus students hear homophobic remarks from other students. I actually don't even want to... Oh, my heart breaks really hearing these statistics because no one should ever have to hear negatively about the people they love. And then finally, another one that I see here is 77% of LGBTI plus students experience verbal harassment because of their sexual orientation or gender identity. So yeah, they, I'm going to let that sink in for a second because that is some very, very high percentages, some very shocking statistics and figures. Um, I didn't realise they were that high myself until I did my research. I went into the belong to services. Yeah, because I, I just, it really is shocking and it disappoints me that these figures exist. So these, figu these figures exist, number one, and that they're so high, number two. So I guess my message 
before I dive into this week's episode with Celtic Tigress, my message would be to accept love because love is such a powerful thing. It really is. And we live in such a cruel world sometimes. And I think we've all experienced that, especially in the past few years, um, that the world can be very cruel and very harsh. So to love someone is so powerful and to discriminate someone because of who they love that's just unacceptable like that's just that shouldn't stand um you should be accepted and appreciated for who you are who who you identify as i think as long as you're happy that is all that should matter if you are happy And you can honestly say, hand on heart, this is who I love and this is who I am. I think that's such a beautiful thing. I think you're so brave for saying that because some people just simply don't know who they are. And the LGBTQI plus community stand up and say, this is who I am. This is who I love. And I think that's such a powerful and beautiful thing. And it says a lot about those people. Um... So yeah, if you are someone listening who is part of that community, I stand with you. There are hundreds of thousands of millions of others who stand with you. Um, And yeah, you are never, ever, ever alone. Not ever. So I hope everyone enjoys this episode. I feel like, for me anyway, it's a nice round off to the week that was Stand Up Week here in Ireland and you enjoy this very special episode that I have recorded with the wonderful Celtic Tigress. As always, I'm delighted to announce this week's talented young musician is Kyla Bell with her cover of Livia Rodrigo's song, Favourite Crime, and it's just beautiful to say the very least. And if you like what you hear on this episode, then you should give her a follow on her Instagram page at Kyla Bell Music. Their Instagram can also be found on my own Instagram page at underscore talk about a podcast where I've posted the announcement of her feature on my episode. So Kyla is an 18 year old singer songwriter from the beautiful county of Ireland. And of course, she has a YouTube channel as well. So you should go check that out. Hit subscribe. Uh, Kyla Bell Music is where you'll find her there. So without further ado, I adore this song. So I'm not going to leave you hanging. This is Kyla Bell with her cover of, Li- of Ri- Olivia Rodrigo's song, <laughs> Favourite Crime. I know I love you so bad. I let you treat me like that. I was your willing accomplice, honey. And I watched as you fled the scene. Don't why it is you buried me. One heart broke, four hands bloody. The things I did Just so I could call you mine The things you did Well, I hope I was your favorite crime You used me as an alibi I crossed my heart as you crossed the line And I defended you to all my friends And now every 
time a siren sounds I wonder if you're around Cause you know that I'd do it all again Oh, the things I did Just so I could call you I did Well I hope I was your favorite cry It's bittersweet to think about the damage that we do Cause I was going down but I was doing it with you Yeah everything we broke and all the trouble that we made But I said that I hate you with a smile on my Oh, the things I did Just so I could call you mine All the things I did Well, I hope I was your favorite So I'm really, really excited about this interview. I'm delighted to welcome on Celtic. Uh, she's a drag queen. And I know a lot of you have been really interested in the LGBTQ plus uh, mini series that I do here on my podcast. And a lot of you have asked that I had a drag queen on. And of course, I always listen to you. I always am interested to, to interview new people. So Celtic, you're very welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Oh my goodness, you're so, so welcome. And to be honest, I think I got about four or five requests from different people saying, please have drag queen on the show because so many people are interested about the LGBTQ plus community, but just don't know a lot about it. So it's fantastic to have to have you on. Thanks for having me. I mean, it's great to hear that there's the demand out there for a drag queen in this day and age, It's especially in Ireland. Like yes. It just goes to show how much we have come on as a country from um even 20 years ago to today yes it's really heartwarming hugely hugely so if you want to tell people a little bit about yourself um yeah start off with that cool cool so um my name is celtic tigress when i'm in drag i am from monaghan if you can't tell by the heavy accent <laughs> um so i i'm not originally from monaghan though i am from mead but i have spent majority of my life living in monaghan um very culty area, very rural. I would have been heavily in a brought up in a very farmer uh, farming background. So um, drag wasn't really something that I would have known growing up, and only would have seen about say a couple of times on television. Um, would have loved growing up watching TV shows. I love comedy, but growing up watching TV shows like Mrs. Brown's Boys. Um, any sort of comedy like that. I love Mrs. Deadfire. And I like I was so young and naive at the time that I would not have been aware that this was drag. So I would have been exposed to things like this via television, via um, media, uh, my phone. Um, but there was no one around like me in my community. I went, would have went to an all-boys Catholic secondary school in Monaghan. So very much sporting farming background I would have grown up in and now that I'm up in Dublin I get to um, mix and mingle with more people in the community uh, which I'm really great, grateful for. So yeah um, 
that's me. I have been doing drag for a little over a year now, um, which flew by, and I would encourage anyone who wanted to take it up to do so. It's uh, incredible. So many questions, Celtic, just from that little piece <laughs> intro there. I'm so interested. So I guess the way I want to start this off is by maybe telling people what drag is, because I was talking about this to my younger brother, um, and he asked me what was drag. And the best way I could describe it to, to him, and I'm so glad you said it, was actually through telling him about Mrs. Brown and about Mrs. Doubtfire. Because Mrs. Doubtfire is mm-hmm. actually one of my, it's a family favorite film. We always watch it at Christmas. People who haven't watched it, just what are you doing? Go watch it. Um, Mrs. Brown Boys is, is like an Irish TV version of Mrs. Doubtfire, I think it's fair to say. Uh, for people who Absolutely. know what it is. I think that's the best way to describe it. So that's the way I kind of described it to him. And he was able to wrap his head around it. But for, for people who, who are still a little bit confused, do you want to tell people maybe what drag drag is? Uh, absolutely. So for me, drag is whatever you want to make it. Looking back at a historical, factual-based uh, side of it, drag sort of, um, there's stories that it formed around shape. Spears time when women weren't actually allowed to perform in plays and similar productions. So the men would actually dress, play the roles of the women and dress up as women. So the word drag actually apparently comes from the act of dragging the dress along the ground. So that's okay. where drag, if you want, was born. Um, and through history, there's been lots of amazing, amazing uh, drag queens in history. We had like RuPaul, obviously, most famous, well-known uh, current drag queen in the world, uh, divine. Um, so there's lots. Of, there's been lots of drag queens in America and even in England. Um, we've had. Uh, oh, of course, my mind's gone blank now that I'm uh, recorded. But um, there was a drag queen, a host, blankety blank, and I, it's going to kill me now that I don't yes, know. Yes, I do. I do know it. I do. I. Um... Absolutely, absolutely. Um, who would have done drag and drag to me is just like the middle finger to all the societal norms that there is. It's what, as I said, whatever you want it to be. And there's something political about a man getting up in front of everyone in a wig and makeup and just doing it, whatever they like. It's satire, it's um, comedy, it's fashion, it's dancing, it's whatever you want to make it. And you get to be political, you can be funny, you can be whatever you want. But, um, and it's it's not even men in wigs anymore. Um, luckily, we live in an age where more it's more and more accepting. Drag's always been accepting to a very accepting community, very mixed race, very mixed demographic. Um, no matter your financial background, um, what people have heard or done or said, about you or it's it's very warm and accepting community and as my point i was making there was um we now see women who were assigned or afab queen so assigned female at birth mm-hmm. um women who do drag as women and that's amazing that's incredible and it just goes to show that drag is constantly evolving and there is no definitive art, definitive definition if you want yes of what it can and can't be I, I think that would go against what drag actually is. Um, drag's just a being about like 
sticking two fingers up, as I said, to every norm there is in society, which is incredible. We need that yeah. um, escape in society. We do. And that's fantastic as well, that there is, it's always evolving. It's always changing. Um, I'm always so, so fond of the LGBTQ plus community just because of their inclusivity and no matter who you are or your background or where you're from or what you've been through it's so accepting so the fact that drag is constantly changing and constantly opening its arms to new people it is wonderful to hear um we have discussed RuPaul actually uh myself and uh one of the first guests I ever had on actually my friend Alex we discussed you know his love for RuPaul and it's a huge huge um name in the in the drag community so i suppose who would be your inspiration when it comes to drag internationally nationally locally um yeah who who would you um, be your inspiration my mother no she would kill me for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i am gonna get a bad text message out no i'm gonna ask um re- like repal was probably the main reason why I do drag today and a lot of people my age got into drag in the first place yeah it's because RuPaul took it from something that was quite underground and political into something that was a bit more mainstream and more accessible to people who didn't know what drag was or didn't quite comprehend what it actually entailed Mm -hmm. so while a lot of people have lots of preconceived thoughts about RuPaul and who he is as a person I mean, we all have to be grateful for what he has done for the community. And it is like none of us would be here today without what he has done. And not just him, like he does get a lot of credit for the, the TV show Repulse Drag Race, but there's also the people who came along before him mm-hmm. and the black community who also um, like the Vogue Balls in New York and people who went out and stood up for uh, during the HIV pandemic. Uh, or outbreak in America, people who fought for gay rights. Uh, I suppose we wouldn't be so privileged today without those people who stood up for rights and for uh, better health care and things like that in society. So I suppose without, that, without them, like I wouldn't be here right now uh, talking to you. So um, they probably would be a huge, uh, um, a huge contribution to my drag. Uh, in terms of uh, influence or people who I draw inspiration from, I mean, I'm heavily influenced by social media queens, obviously, because the age we live in, I'm constantly on my phone, constantly trying to keep up with the trend and trying to stay relevant myself. So I'll always follow queens like we see on Drag Race. And not even that, um, a lot of people who would like drag, drag race, um, how would you say aren't wouldn't would not know as many of their local queens as I wish they would. So that's why I always advocate like go out and support your local queens. You will see me front row in every show I can get to within my budget because I'm broke. And <laughs> um, there like I am the drunk auntie at the wedding. I would be there front and center screaming probably one too many drinks in me. So I go out and I try and support every queen in the scene no matter who they are that's amazing oh, God, that is huge. Are. yeah and I think that's incredible as well to to um address that you know drag did start so so many years ago and the black community were huge role in 
in the drag uh, community I didn't realize that until I started doing my own kind of research um into what drag was before I came on um because I'm I, I'm one for research I always like researching before I I, I dive mm-hmm. into a topic um yeah and it's just fantastic to hear you have so much support for your fellow fellow queens um so what is the drag community like? I haven't seen a drag show live. I've always wanted to. I will one day. Um, I'm still under 18, so we're, we will get there. But um, mm-hmm. what is the drag community like? Is, is it a supportive one? Because it does sound like it. Um, I can only speak from my own experience, but like yeah. from the wider general drag, drag community has always been very accepting. Um. You will always find, even within something as niche as drag, there's always niches within a niche. So you will find people who you can always relate to. And that's what I like about it. drag. It's people are going to accept you no matter what. Um, I'm lucky to have my own drag sisters who I reached out to, made the connection with and supported since them since day one of their drag uh, journey, if you want. Mm-hmm. Um because the drag scene is smaller in Ireland, not um, not because it's not as appreciated here in Ireland or it's not as big, it's just because we are a smaller country. We do have a smaller drag scene, mm-hmm. quite a big one here in Dublin, um, probably the majority of queens and kings and um, not, uh, non-binary performers are based here in Dublin. Um, but my experiences with them are relatively new since I only have been doing drag this past year. Um, and that was coming out of a pandemic, which affected my journey in drag as well, probably uh, propelled my, or was the, was the main push at the start for me to do drag. I had time in my hands, so that was great. Um, but I got to go out and now I'm meeting queens and I'm meeting kings and meeting everyone in the scene. And so far, so good. I mean, you can't uh, judge the community based online off yeah. online because I don't like to judge a person off their social media presence. 100%. Because I believe social media is, you know, it's it's not reality. Mm-hmm. But anyone I meet, I'm always trying to make a conversation, trying to make a connection and I try and be there for other people in my community because we all play a role. In it. 100%. And actually, what made you want to start drag? What made you want to go out on stage and perform and and uh, be where you are, I guess? Um, I suppose... I've always had like, how would you describe like a artistic itch that I just needed to scratch. Yeah. Um, trade secondary school, like I did art, but I found it very um, limited. Like what I could do, it was, yeah, we're we're drawing a hand, and uh, like I wanted to go off and do something else. Not not say oh, I, I didn't appreciate doing uh, the basics and getting to know how to do it, but like. I didn't want to be conformed to one thing and I could never find my artistic flair no matter what way I did or what things I did um, until I discovered drag and I was like whoa it was like opening Pandora's box it was like oh okay I like yeah. this um, and 
I thought, like, originally I thought it was, oh, it's just male in wigs and they just prance around the dresses. Mm-hmm. Was I wrong? It's so much more than that. And, like, the creative process behind it and, like, now my life literally I might, might sound a bit obsessive, but, like, literally mm-hmm. I'm constantly thinking about what I'm going to do next and even I'm drawing artistic inspiration from lots of different things, mm-hmm. from music, from um, movies, from... I like the weirdest of things I could find an inspiration for a look or a performance idea or a lip sync. So, but obviously RuPaul's Drag Race had a huge input into my wanting to do drag. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and, and the pandemic, the pandemic really pushed, pushed it off the ground. Luckily, because yeah. I had the time on my hands, and I was just after completing leave insert. Well, completing. Um. <laughs> Yes, I know. Predictive grading, my leaving cert, and um, no, nothing to do. And it looked like there was no end to the pandemic at the time. So mm-hmm. I said I might as well go out in an apocalypse in style. So <laughs> I started drag. That's amazing. I love that. Actually, go out, go out and start. I love that. Um, yeah, it's amazing. And I've discussed this before with young musicians, and I've had filmmakers on before, and everyone said the same thing. I mean, I've said the same thing. I came out in this pandemic with a podcast, um, and I started making short films. That's what I came out with the pandemic with, and it was just. And I know so many young musicians have told me. Uh, did a wonderful interview there just recently with Hannah Kinsella, where she said the the pandemic got her to start you know writing her music and started recording it I was chatting to mm-hmm. um my friend who's also now becoming a filmmaker and Eve Kremlin and she was saying you know how the uh the pandemic really you know realized she wanted to become an actress she wanted to start making her own films it's incredible what it's done to people and I'm so excited when everyone when anyone and everyone says to me yeah it's changed me for the better it's made people more creative have you found that yourself Absolutely. Because those are my kind of stories that stick out to me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's like, I mean, you're bored in the house and you're bored all day, so <laughs> might as well put, put, put your brain to use. I mean, um, uh, no time like the present. Make, like We live in a society that's constantly focused. It's a rat race. We constantly go out, we work, we go to school, we get up we go to school to go to, to work to mm-hmm. be able to afford like a holiday two maybe two weeks in a year to relax and then we go back to this constant cycle yeah. so the pandemic even though unfortunately it did come with a lot of uh drawbacks the silver lining of it was as creative people we really got the time to just express ourselves yeah and that's one thing i really appreciated about the pandemic even though it was disastrous and has <laughs> completely changed the world for the rest of the rest of its existence but mm-hmm. look take the positives from it as well you do i like so taking I the positives from it because if you focus on the negative we could be here for a, a much longer time um than i think we mm-hmm. need to be so i do i do tend to focus on that um yeah because it, it does it makes people smile when you do focus on the positive um the the Irish community when it comes to the LGBTQ plus community um, I've got a huge outcry from 
teens and actually from a few parents as well saying that they've really appreciated the lgbtq plus series that i've done because i always introduce the episode like i have with this episode i've always introduced a new lingo about the community so i'd i'd explain what pansexuality is what omnisexuality is what's asexual what's abrosexual all these kind of new words that people might have heard before but not necessarily have understood or want to learn more Mm -hmm. about um parents especially have just felt so much more comfortable i think now if their child ever did come out or were feeling a bit confused they could go well you know maybe you're feeling this way or that way it's a huge it was a huge sign to me that we are getting rid of this stigma around sexuality um, so, so when it comes to sig- stigma around drag in Ireland, what do you think that looks like now compared to, like you said earlier, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, even five years ago? Yeah. I mean, I suppose for myself, I find it harder to tell my parents that I actually wanted to do drag than I did coming out initially. And that was, um, that was the preconceived idea in my head like I remember going to this before like I even started watching Drag Race I remember going to Pride a few years ago and being seeing a drag queen my first ever experience seeing a drag queen a a drag queen in real life Mm -hmm. and I was like wow like I was really internalized homophobic at the time I was like wow this is what's wrong with the community like these people are what's wrong with us and looking back I was like wow why was I like that Mm-hmm. like it I'm ashamed of myself for that um but look look at the tables have turned now, I yeah mean. um so that that in itself is a positive outlook uh, or a positive thing because we can look at society and society is no different people just need time to learn and if you think you won't be accepted for who you are just because you receive an initial negative reaction doesn't mean it'll always be like that. Um, at first, my parents weren't accept- exceptionally blown away at the idea of me doing drag. Mm-hmm. But look, they're my number one fans now. And I'm really grateful for that. I've gone to drag con with my mom. She paid for it. She brought me over. Oh, um, uh, yeah, I've been booked for hen parties now because she's been telling people at work. She's been showing her friends pictures. We've I've she drove me to my first ever hen party in drag. It was a, it was Aww. an experience sitting at the dinner table in a wig while we had <laughs> we, we had like spaghetti bolognese. Uh, that, that was an experience. It was like, uh, can you pass me the uh, pepper, please? Uh, love. Um, yeah, me there with my like seven inch nails trying to pick it up. <laughs> but that really shows what society um, can be like as well, because just what you were like five years ago is not who you are now and society is constantly changing and our mindsets are constantly changing we're constantly learning more things yeah and we're constantly becoming new and better people so that that warms my heart that warms my heart to hear you say that that is mm -hmm. so so lovely um you you mentioned it there and it's something that i came across recently on tiktok would you believe um because i um I just I didn't realize it was it was something until I started researching and asking a couple of people about it. Internalized homophobia. We all know what homophobia is. Uh, I, I've touched about it on the show before. I've talked to people on the show before who experienced homophobia, unfortunately. But internalized homophobia, internalized homophobia 
is something that uh, was relatively new to me until recently. Um, so if you want to maybe tell people what that is, um, because I didn't realize it was it was a thing for so many people who have come out. I suppose it was me looking at the world from what I thought was other people's perspectives. So I always knew I was gay, like from as far back as I remember, like the idea of being straight was just not, not, not <laughs> happening. Um, so, um, so I would have had these, even, even still, like I would have grown up listening to a lot in rural Monaghan, listening to a lot of negative things mm-hmm. uh, as well as positive things. But like you tend to, when you listen to, when it affects you, you tend to listen to the negatives more. Yeah. So I was always listening to these negative things about gay people and everything. And when, when I suppose you are a part of that community, and there's something that's even more so a part of that community, like if you know, even if you want, even I don't even know if this is correct to say, but a bit more gay or a bit more stereotypically, yeah, something more, more, st- more was, typically in the in the stigma, I suppose. If you want on a if you want on a spectrum or something yeah. like that, yeah, um, yeah, if you want to put it like that, uh, what was I saying? If 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 they were more like that, you were like, right, they're more flamboyant or they're more out there than you and they're attracting this negativity. So you nearly have to rein it in. Um, you like It's nearly like your Elsa concealed, don't feel, don't let it show. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's that's what internalizing homophobia is. It's, you want to attract as least the least amount of negativity to you as possible by not being who you actually are. Okay. Or not, not not being who what you are like not being gay. Okay. So that for me is what something I did struggle with in the past, but that has gone. That ship has sailed, thankfully. Yeah. Um. And unfortunately, a lot of people still are struggling with that. Um. But we can only improve on that by having these kind of kind of conversations and talking about internalized homophobia. Yeah. How how did you overcome the internalized homophobia? Because um, it's just something that it, it hurts me to think people would just criticize themselves that much. Um, yeah. How did you overcome that? Yeah. Um, I suppose by well, watching Drag Race uh, helped because I got to see uh, what drag was in uh, in terms of, I'm now I'm talking about in terms of drag the yeah. homophobia homeless internalized homophobia was um, diminished by watching drag race because I got to see the world from other people's eyes I was no longer looking through my own lens and I got to see that these were real people with real feelings um, and I got to experience the world in their shoes, got to walk in their f- heels, if you want. Yeah. Um, just got to experience through their stories, through their emotions, through their experiences. And you don't get to do that in everyday life, I suppose. You only get to go walk around in your own feet. And that's what the great thing about television and uh, documentaries and reading and even like podcasts like this, you get to see the world from other people's points of view mm-hmm. um, and that, that could really help bring down uh, internalized homophobia it's 
it's like Atticus Finch, I think, has the walking around in someone else's uh, shoes. That's what I got to do, and luckily, luckily now I'm a drag queen. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Um, how how has the I suppose when you when you tell people you're a drag queen, how do they react? Is it like an instant like, oh my god, that's fantastic! Show me all the pictures. Is it kind of like, oh okay, a sense of shock still? I suppose. Yeah, usually, usually you get a scream like, ah! <laughs> and then, <laughs> then it's like, oh my god, oh my god, I need to see photos. What's your name? That's hilarious. Oh my god, I love it. And then it's it literally. It can go from being like, oh, hi, how you doing? To, oh, my God, I want to be your best friend. In, in the space <laughs> of two seconds. Like, I love that. The amount of people that I've, um, just because, the, I mean, when I'm not, not in drag, you can't tell I'm a drag queen. It's There's nothing like, apart from my eyebrows, but you can't visibly tell that, yeah, I'm a man, a six-foot man that wears heels. Um, so... I mean, I'm just your stereotypical male when I'm not in drag. So people don't think that much of me if you want. Uh, they wouldn't think I'm not extraordinary if they don't see me in drag. But then when it's, oh, I'm a drag queen, they're like, oh, oh hello. I love that. I think, it's so, I think it's so impressive as well. You're six foot and wear heels. I'm five foot four. Can't wear heels. Can't even wear wedges. Yeah. I fall on my face. The top, of, do- <laughs> the top of doors is not my friend. <laughs> I can only yeah. imagine. Um, yeah, people have to go check out your Instagram, see all your incredible photographs and all the other queens and kings and non-binary uh, folk as well. So what's your Instagram there? Give yourself a little bit of a... A little bit of PR. It's yeah. uh, at CelticTigress.ie at uh, Instagram. No, at... No, let me do that again. It's uh, at CelticTigress.ie on Instagram. Perfect. And I will and put that TikTok in my... Well. Oh, wonderful. What's your TikTok then? It's also at CelticTigress.ie. Wonderful. That's beautiful. I will link them both in the description below. And also people can go check out my own Instagram at underscore talk about a podcast. And I'll have linked your own page uh, there as well. So, yeah, that's where people can go beautiful. check you out. Um, advice you would give your 14 year old self if he walked through the door today. What would you tell him? Start saving now. <laughs> <laughs> You will be very, very financially in a bad place in a few years. Um, no. Um, advice for my 14-year-old self, not to let the negative opinions of other people define who you are, because at the end of the day, you get to define who you are, and they're just, it's just words without meaning. Mm. It's just words and conversation, and they might not mean that much to people who say it, but to you it might mean a lot but you just need to remember that it doesn't mean a lot to them so why should it mean a lot to you um you do not define yourself by what the the, the hymns and has of other people you define yourself by whatever you define yourself by and that can be whatever you want so do not let the negative critiques of others bring you down 14 year old Celtic I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kelta, for coming on. I'm going to ask you the last two questions before I let you go. Mm-hmm. So what is a quote you live by and why? Don't live your life through the criticisms of others, because if you do that, you will constantly be trying to please everyone and you can never please everyone in this world. I love that. That is such a lovely one. 
and one thing you would like people to take away from our conversation here today? I would love people to just try not to judge people straight away, that you do not know what people uh, go through. And if you could actually sit down and just have a 10, 15 minute conversation with everyone in this world, you would be a completely different person because you get to see the world from their point of view. Mm-hmm. So remember remember that the next time you bump into someone or you pass a comment about someone that you don't know what they have been through. So, so don't be so quick to jump to conclusions about people. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that you said, wow, I lo- that's just sinking in there. I love what you said. If you spent 10 or 15 minutes with every person, you'd, you'd, you'd see them differently. I, wow, I really love that. Definitely taking that away. Celtic, thank you so much for coming on. I really, really thank appreciate it. Um, you are most welcome. And I hope people really um, enjoy the conversation. If you are someone who wants to learn more about the LGBTQ plus community and suddenly realise to yourself, oh my goodness, I only know the first few letters of the LGBTI plus community. I only know what LGBTQI means. Don't worry. Because <laughs> sometimes I think people can, uh, can get a little overwhelmed at the fact that there are more letters, bar those ones. Um, so if you're someone who wants to go and learn more, firstly, yay that is great why don't you go and check out my other episodes that i've done uh for the lgbtq plus community um i've done one with one with my friend alex and i go into the immediate letters of the lgbtq plus community um i'll link that episode below i'll also link the the second lgbtq plus episode i've done below where i talk to my friend sive and i go into further detail about letters there um as well as chat to her about the um, community in Ireland. And I'll also link the episode I did with the wonderful Maria Walsh, um, where we discussed the LGBTQ plus community in Ireland and um, just everything that's happening in Ireland at the moment regarding the LGBTQ plus community. And don't worry if you're feeling like you still want to learn more about the letters of the community. Don't fret. That will be coming very, very soon in this podcast. So stay tuned because this will not be the last of the LGBTQI plus content that will be coming your way. So don't fret. Um, there are still so much to learn. I am learning. So I think that's the power as well of of this podcast that we're all learning together. Um, which I think is truly beautiful. So thank you everyone for listening and I will see you all next time. Thanks for listening, giving us your time to tune in. Join Emily, same time next week on Talk About It. The intro and exit music you hear on every episode is by the very talented Hannah Kinsella. She's a singer-songwriter from Ireland in County Dublin. If you want to go show her some support, you can follow her on her Instagram page and YouTube at Busky Bops.